Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal. It's Thursday, September 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We roll on with our college football previews and today talk about the Kansas State Wildcats with Kellis Robinette. K-State was picked to finish fifth in the Big 12, but we think that's underselling a program that placed more players on the preseason All-Big 12 team than any other. Quarterback Adrian Martinez is the Nebraska transfer and looks to have more team success in Manhattan. Running back Deuce Vaughn, defensive end Felix, Anudiki Uzoma, they're stars. So yes, this is a team perhaps the nation is sleeping on. After a break, you'll hear from Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. So let's get started. Kellis, it's been a while. How you been? Great. Just counting down the minutes until football season, and the countdown clock is almost at zero, so not much to complain about. Yeah, you get a real Saturday game uh, for the Wildcats. I've I got to cover a Thursday game for – well, I will have covered a Thursday game by the time this podcast airs. No, no. Uh, actually – I will cover. Let's let me. Let's get the timing right. I'll be covering a Missouri game tonight because this is Thursday, isn't it? And then uh, Friday the Hawks are playing, and then Saturday the Cats are. Cats playing. are playing. Yep. yep. No. Uh, no overlap at all. I think a three and zero for uh, for the locals in the Kansas City area. I'm not sure who's going to have the easiest time though. It could be. It could be K State. Uh, K State and KU are playing FCS opponents, and Missouri's playing a. Um, Conference USA team that was three and nine last year and has a new coach. So I actually think all three should win comfortably. And that's saying a lot for Kansas, if that's the case. Um, Cause even when they play FCS opponents, they're never, it's never comfortable for the, for the Jayhawks. So I think it's saying a lot more about Tennessee tech than anybody, <laughs> but I, I I'm with you. They, this is one game. I think Kansas wins by 30. I think Missouri wins comfortably. I think Kansas state cruises. Yep. Oh, I'm not seeing much drama in Agree. All right. So if you go to wichitaeagle.com right now or kansascity.com, you will see Kellis's five bold predictions for Kansas State's upcoming football season. I wanted to go over some of those and, uh, and kind of break it down. So this will be the, uh, the audio version of five bold predictions. We'll start with Number one, Kansas State will beat its over-under victory total. Um, I've seen it fluctuate. I've seen six, six and a half, and seven. Where, where do you see it right now? Uh, I looked yesterday at a few sites and came back at six and a half. I've seen it elsewhere at seven. And I would say if you can get it at six and a half, um, Grab especially <laughs> six, like you said, there's some great value in that. Um, even at seven, I think you're, you know, probably worse looking at a, at a push. Uh, my, my big debate trying to figure out what they were going to do all offseason was between eight and four and nine and three. So the thought of six wins or fewer, I think that really only comes into play if Adrian Martinez gets hurt. Things just go really wrong, like um, you never want to see happen. But if this, this team stays healthy, I think uh, seven wins would be a, deemed a disappointment. The great thing about that is that would still be enough to get you the, the winning ticket if you bet the over. Absolutely. Um, I will say that uh, and, and, and break news uh, to you, Kellis, that we want to have you on another podcast on Friday. I got that day right. When we talk about sports gambling, since it's coming to Kansas officially today, um, 
But and we can talk more about that because I, I think I mentioned this before that over-unders on you know team win totals are one of my favorite bets. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I absolutely agree with you that there is opportunity with the over on Kansas State if you can grab it at six and a half. So we'll we'll save a little bit more of that conversation for the for the podcast that you'll hear tomorrow. Let's go to the next one. Deuce Vaughn, Heisman Trophy candidate. I like it. I like it. And I think one of the reasons uh, when when I think about it is, listen, he's he's a great player. They're going to obviously lean on him a lot, but there aren't many candidates in this part of the country, not out of the Big Twelve. Um, I, I don't know who would be number two in terms of. A, a leading Heisman Trophy candidate out of the Big 12, but I I, I can't. Why not Deuce Vaughn? Why, why not Deuce Vaughn becoming the at least the leading vote getter uh, from Kansas State in the Heisman race since Colin Klein? Yeah, um, I mean I think there's a chance that he, he gets votes this season, and uh, his name has just you know quietly been building in, in national circles for the last two years. And he's finally in a position where I think most national experts are kind of looking past his height, don't see him as a fluky player anymore. Um, pro football focus, it seems like every time they put out a tweet about college running backs, has Deuce Vaughn ranked number one or two. Um, Sports Illustrated has been on him. Um, he was a preseason All-American in the Associated Press's uh, uh, team this year. So he, he's got enough hype around him. And with Colin Klein now calling the plays on offense, I think he's smart enough to understand that uh, getting Deuce Vaughn the ball early, often, and late is the way to go. Um, just look at what he did at the bowl game last year. Uh, people got sentimental and voted Skylar Thompson as the MVP. I won't disagree with it. He played a good game, but Vaughn was uh, Vaughn's coiled. Touchdowns was all over the place. Um, without Skylar Hawkins' attention this year, I, I think he gets a little bit more credit. And if, if he has another season, not, not even like a breakthrough season, not even a huge season, anything crazy higher than what he's in the last two years, if he just does, repeats, I think he'll be uh, he'll be in the mix. The only other guys from Big 12 I can think of would be like Deshaun Robinson of Texas, if they have a really good year. He's a great running back. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, the transfer quarterback at, at uh, Oklahoma, if they put it all together, I can see him getting some, some, some more pub than, than Deuce. But... Um, I mean, he's going to be there. People are going to be considering him. So I don't know how likely it is that he could legitimately like be in the top three, um, just because to do that, you have to be on a, a brand name team and you have to be contending for playoff and a lot of things that I don't necessarily think should matter in the play of the year race, but everything else, if you're just looking at the body of work, I think he's going to be good. What are some possible, you know, best possible scenario numbers for Deuce Vaughn this year? Uh, well, shoot, last year he came in at right about uh, 1,400 rushing yards, 400 and 500 receiving yards. So That's a Darren, that's a Darren Sproles-like year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, shoot, I could see him. They play 13 games, just assume they will. Um, I could see him topping, you know, 100 yards in every game. So anywhere between like 1,600, 1,800 yards on the ground. Um Receiving might be a little bit harder for him this year just because they have more receivers. But you could, I could see another 500 yards for him through the air, too. So, yeah, 2,000-plus all-purpose yards, 25-plus touchdowns. Um, that would be hard to ignore. That would get you on the Heisman Trophy watch list toward the end of the season. That's for sure. Okay, speaking of wide receivers, uh, 
Philip Brooks, you like him. I think he is the returning leading receiver, right, for for K State. Um, or was it Malik Knowles? I can't I can't remember. That is a good question. It's it's been weird the last couple of years that thrown the ball a lot to uh, running backs and tight ends. It's been hard for their uh, receivers to to rank real high up there. I'm trying to scramble to tell you exactly who led it last year, but um, I can tell you he had over 500 yards receiving, um, so it was a really good year for him. Well, and here we go. Here, all right, you got. I've got. All right. Yes, he is. All right. So Deuce Vaughn led everybody last year with 49 catches. Um, I believe the last two seasons he's actually led Kansas State receptions as a running back, so that tells you something. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Brooks, is, Brooks was the number one receiver last year with 43 catches. I think he does it again, and I think he does it again handily. Um, you know, Malik Knowles is more of a deep threat kind of guy. Cade uh, Warner is a little bit more of a security blanket, so do spawn. But I think Brooks is just going to be that guy in the slot who's always open, crossing routes. Um, all kinds of stuff where Adrian Martinez can just dump up the ball and then he can go around and make something something out of nothing with his speed. Um, so I'm really high on him. I, I think he could. I, I don't want to set up uh, you know unrealistic expectations here for him, but I, I think he could push for a thousand yards. And that's something that doesn't happen a whole lot in the Kansas State system. No, no. And for that to happen, that means Taylor Martinez will have had a pretty productive season. Um, and the headline on your five bold predictions is Nebraska will miss Taylor Martinez, not the other way around. Um, I like it. So I know there hasn't been a media opportunity with Chris Kleiman without mentioning Taylor Martinez and, you know, mistakes that he made at Nebraska last year and how you know, it's going to, you know, we, we, we just assume it's going to get fixed and, and be different at Kansas State. Have, we haven't had a game yet to to see, but I'm convinced that it is. I just think the change in scenery is going to benefit him as about as much as any player in college football this year. And we all got to see Nebraska play this past weekend. Didn't the Huskers didn't lose that game because of their quarterback play, but they did lose some high-profile games last year because of mistakes that Taylor Martinez played and. I don't know. I think he's heard enough about it. I, mean, I know Chris Kleiman's heard enough about it. And um, I, I just think that that part of Martinez's game is going to be eliminated to a great extent. And I, I honestly believe that when we're talking about all conference quarterback candidates toward the end of the year, his name will, will be part of that. So what's your expectation for Taylor Martinez? I mean, yeah, that, that's a reasonable expectation. Um, I think that could happen. I'm a little uh, hesitant to just come out and say he's going to be, um, you know, all all conference or anything like that until I at least see him play one game. So I'm very excited to see what he can do in game one here. But I, I think I'll say this. The, uh, the scenario for him at Kansas State right now, everything is set up for him to succeed. His biggest problems at Nebraska weren't that he didn't have athleticism. It wasn't that he couldn't run. It wasn't that he couldn't throw. It wasn't that he just isn't a good quarterback. Um, it's that he was injured a lot. He was pressured a lot. And he didn't get a whole lot of help from other players. Um, at Kansas State, he's, I'm thinking he's going to have a better offensive line. He's going to have at least two Vaughn to get the ball to, which is a, 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 an outlet that he never had in Nebraska. And when you look back at some of the stats he had last year and see that he was pressured on something like 48% of his dropbacks 
every other time he went back to throw the ball, somebody was on him, forced him to run, forced him to throw you know, off balance, do things he didn't have time to think about. It, it's just hard to be a perfect quarterback under those um, scenarios. And I'm not, you know, trying to say that it's uh, completely a Nebraska problem that they weren't better the last few years. He might still have some issues here, but when it comes to turnovers, it seems like nobody um, is better suited to help him limit those than Colin Klein. Um, he did. He very rarely committed turnovers when he was a quarterback at Kansas State. He coached Skylar Thompson the last few years here. He only threw, I think it was 16 interceptions over the course of his entire Kansas State career. He's been here since the Renaissance. So, it's a little joke there. Uh, it was good. It was a good one. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that goes to show you, uh, it's it's possible that he could cut his turnovers in half and be a much different player. Kansas State's going to ask him to throw the ball more than run it. Didn't really happen in Nebraska. So, um, you know, will it happen? We'll see. I think there's a good chance. But it, I'm with you. If a change of scenery can benefit anybody um, this season, it's I'm looking forward to seeing him play as much as anybody in college football just because of what you just described. Um, change of scenery, and you know, he's only moving a couple of hundred miles away, but it could make all the difference in the world for him. And, uh, and, and if, he is, if he's as good as I think he can be, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand by and even perhaps uh, exceed your – final record projection, which we'll get to here in, in a moment. But before we do, uh, we got to talk a little defense. And you, you're saying Nate Matlack, Nate Matlack is someone to keep an eye on. Totally trashing Felix here in the process, but uh, no, not at all. But if that's, listen, if he, if he comes out big this year, what a, you know, what a pass rush, that uh, weapon that would be for Kansas State. It really would be. And, uh... The reason I say I think that uh, Matt Lack can put up numbers somewhat comparable to Felix is just that um, everybody knows who Felix is by now. He's the guy who had all those sacks in the one game last year, one of the hardest players to defend in the entire conference. He was named Big 12 preseason defensive player of the year for a reason. He's going to be a marked man, and I've seen this in the past at Kansas State. Um, when uh, Jordan Willis was a senior and everybody tried to line up and stop him, yeah, Reggie Walker on the other side of him as a youngster and came out. Had a great year. Very hard for defense to stop both of them. They're focused on Jordan. Reggie had a great year. When by the time Reggie was a senior, Wyatt Hubert was a freshman or sophomore. Benefited from the exact same thing. Really good player. Defense had to worry about both edges. He got a lot of sacks. I'm thinking kind of the same thing will happen this year. But people really worried about Felix trying to double team him, keep him away from the quarterback. That'll open up some avenues for Nate Matlack and uh, I think he's going to have a good year. And I think it shows uh, – I think you can tell that's going to be the case because Kansas State went ahead and just named him the starter at that defensive end spot. Um, they didn't say it will be him or Jalen Bickle, who's a really good player in his own right. Um, they think he, he played so good that he, he won that spot as a, uh, as a young player. and um, I think that says something. All right. Uh, you have Kansas State finishing 9-3 and three overall. Six and three in the Big Twelve, that might get them uh, a piece of second place into the Big Twelve championship game. I know you didn't project all the other Big Twelve teams, but six and three is you know that's a second place, third place record. And and again, that's something else I've mentioned. Kansas State is the 
It's the one school in the Big 12 that you would have thought may have been in the Big 12 championship game here in the in the era of the 10-team league because it seems like everybody else has been in it. Iowa State and TCU and Baylor and Oklahoma State and Texas and Oklahoma, of course, not K-State. I think it's time for K-State to bust through and get there this year. Um, I, it, 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 look, if, if it's – in a good that that'll be a very good season for the Wildcats. Just like it's it's a very good season for anybody to reach reach the Big Twelve championship game. I think this Kansas State team is entirely capable of that. Um, how did you come up with a six and three record in Big Twelve play for for the Wildcats? Okay, so I think their hardest game is going to be. Well, let me put it this way: I think there are some automatic wins on their schedule. So it didn't. It wasn't very hard for me to project them to beat South Dakota, Tulane. Texas Tech and Kansas. Um, if they lose any of those five, uh, I would be very surprised. Yeah, well, they would um, it would change everything about their season. If- y- yes, yes, exactly. Um, you know, Missouri, well, I would say, you know, it's an automatic win. I think they'll be favored. Yep, um, agree. At home. I'm picking them there. Um, so, really, the season for me comes down to, uh, you know, the games against Oklahoma, Iowa State. I probably – I'll say TCU, but I think they probably won there. Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor. And the most interesting stretch to me is that they've got three in a row late in the year. Oklahoma State at home, Texas at home, at Baylor. Why is it so important? Um, not only are those three pretty good teams, there's three teams that Chris Klein has never beaten before since he's gotten to Kansas State. Mike Gundy's had his number. Whoever the coach has been in Texas has had his number. Uh, David Randa's had his number at Baylor. Um, you know, He's only been here for three years, so maybe it doesn't make that huge of a difference. Maybe there's not a trend forming yet, but I, I think those are going to be some hard games for him. I don't see him uh, winning all of them. they got to go to Oklahoma to start a Big 12 play like they seem to have to do every year. So I think they I think they lose at Oklahoma. I think they lose at Baylor. They split at home against Oklahoma State and Texas, and they come out 6-3. That's what. Okay. Well, um, I see the league as – not having a dominant team, uh, a college football playoff team, which they didn't have last year either. And Oklahoma State, Baylor and Oklahoma seem to be getting the most love in the polls with, you know, maybe Texas, um, Kansas State and Iowa State behind that group of three. But I I do think this could be uh, the, the most competitive Big 12 year at least feeling that way. I'm just feeling that way going in. Um, the most competitive Big 12 year that we've seen in a while, where maybe it's seven and two that finishes first, and not eight and one or nine and zero. Oh. So uh, that that. I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of parity, and I think that's the reason why you're not going to see a, a Big 12 team reach the playoff. Um, and I think that's why we need an expanded playoff. So whoever wins it does get in. Uh, but the the, uh, the wild card team to me in all this is Texas. Um, I know a lot of people are just automatically down on because they hate the Longhorns or whatever. I get it. They've underachieved before. But they've got Robinson. They've got a former number one recruit at quarterback. Um, if those guys stay healthy and play well, I think they could really be – they would be a team I could see. I mean, they got to play Alabama, so they'll lose that game. But once once Big 12 play gets going, I think they could be a team that makes it to Arlington. Um and then I, then I also like Obama, Baylor, and Kansas State. Um, well, 
I didn't mention Oklahoma State in there. So, uh, yeah, that just shows you all, all those teams. And there's Iowa State just sitting there. And we don't know what they're really going to do without Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. So, uh, there's going to be a lot. I think every week you're going to look at the, the scores in the Big 12, and there's going to be something that jumps out at you and say, wow, I can see why I come. And it's because all the teams are, are, are close. But will we see them? Will we see Big 12 games on ESPN in the future? Um, that was the uh, kind of the news of the day that uh, Big 12 is uh, wanting to begin or has started beginning some. I don't know. Formal's not the right word. I just oh, communication with ESPN about future TV deals. And um, look, that's I need, you know it's good that it's happening. It needs to happen. Uh, the Big 12's future depends on its next TV contract and um, or at least the financial future of the schools. A lot of budgets are, are crafted based on what they bring in from their media rights holders uh, uh, contracts. So that was a little bit of a, um, the Big 12 was kind of proud of it, so proud that they put a release out on it today, that they were <laughs> Uh, that they're looking at, uh, you know, talking to ESPN. And the, the reason it's news is it's not supposed to happen until next year, right? Or at least next year. Right. Um, I mean, the, their current contract doesn't expire until the end of the 2024-25 uh, athletics calendar. So theoretically, if they wanted to, they could wait all the way until 2024 to start negotiating things and uh, uh not rushed into this, um, but I think it's a shot across the bow at the Pac-12. That was like their move in all this. As soon as they lost USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, they said, "You know what? We're not we're not going to wait around. We're going to start negotiating with uh, with our TV partners right now and try to be first to market, be the next power conference to have a TV deal. We can tell our members what they're going to make. We can tell um, other members that we might look about expanding with what we're going to make." Um, and there's a scenario in there where the Pac-12 does all this, the numbers come back good, possibly they can reach out and uh, you know, poach some teams for the Big 12. They can go out and add some teams that Big 12 might be interested in the future. Um, the Big 12, by doing this at the exact same time, you know, at least exploring some talks, saying, hey, let's, let's see if we want to talk about an um, extension, something like that. Uh, kind of kills that leverage and at least puts them on an even playing field with them. So just in case the Big 12 is actually in a position to do something, like invite Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, whoever it may be, to the Big 12, they'll be able to say, all right, so here's what you think you're going to make the Big 12, we can tell you right now. Or here's what you think you're going to make the Big 12, but we can tell you right now, here's what you make the Big 12. Um, puts them in a lot better situation. That's actually what they want to do. And you know what? Because um, they're doing this right now, they're not, at, they're, not in, they're not contractually obligated to be doing this. If the talks don't go great and they decide that they want to wait and um, explore some other options down the line, they can still do that too. So kind of the best of both worlds in that scenario. I think it's a good move from the Big 12 Convention. The other wrinkle is if, uh, if some kind of agreement is reached for you know, the future or, the, or a, a deal that would replace the remaining years on the current deal and then begin another whatever, 12 or 15 year contract, then Texas and Oklahoma could leave the Big 12 for the SEC earlier than the 24-25 school year, just as if, if the same thing happens in the Pac-12 and they get a um, and they get an extension on their deals, uh, UCLA and USC could leave for the Big 10 earlier. So there, there is that as well. All right. 
Um, we're going to hear from Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman from his weekly press conference earlier this week. And uh, interesting things to say. You, you know, we spent some time talking about Adrian Martinez. And, of course, Chris Kleiman does too. And you'll hear that when we come back. Tell us, great conversation. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Blair. Look forward to it. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Here is Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman from earlier this week. The first question is about quarterback Adrian Martinez. Uh, I don't know if, if I thought he was going to be any different than what he is. Um, you know, you watch game tape. Uh, that's what we mainly had from Nebraska days. And then just, just watching the way he's developed over the last uh, um, 30 days in particular since we started camp, uh, how much more confident he is. Um, he's in rhythm. He, he understands uh, where people are supposed to be. Uh, he's got a good rapport with receivers and tight ends and backs. And so – I, same way with Adrian. I think he's just excited to play. Follow up to that. Um, when you looked at the game tape of Adrian, did you see any commonality to what was causing some of his mistakes when he was up north? Um, no, I didn't look at it in that respect. I looked at it more just a skill set and, and what we could do and what Coach Klein could do with him. Uh, probably emphasize more of the positives or what we thought he would be able to do, and, and we're excited to cut him loose and let him play. guys yeah both will will play um gilly and, and hadley hadley will be a swing guy and play some guard as well uh, gilly will strictly play center but uh, uh without question we plan on playing both guys at center you first start realizing that austin moore would be a guy who could start for you at linebacker uh last year uh, because he had so many reps he was playing behind uh, the old man of fletch back there and uh so he had a ton of reps with the twos and and we shelled Fletch a lot to save him for games and so uh, Austin just continued to to learn the system and learn how to play and uh, he's a guy that you can flip on the film of of last fall camp last year early on in special teams to how he uh, knows how to play block destruction angles knowing our defense you know he's a quiet kid but he's one of the best communicators out there on the football field and uh, Austin uh, a walk on in here that uh, earned a scholarship and earned a starting starting position, and we're excited for Austin. When you have a number of true freshmen on the 2D like you do right now, 
do you find yourself trying to, um, you know, limit their games in case you want to retro them, or at this point are you thinking let's just use them? Right now, if they're in the too deep, our plan is to play them. Now maybe something will will change that, but um, you know, um, there's a handful of guys that uh, we've remarked that uh, we're going to play, um, and maybe even a few more. You, you know, you just knock on wood that you don't lose some uh, older guys that are experienced guys, but. We've done a really nice job of whether it's on special teams or on offense, defense, finding ways to get those guys repetition late in fall camp when you start to focus on game planning, um, trying to get some of those really young players or redshirt freshmen more reps against each other so that they feel more comfortable when, when they, you have to throw them out there and the lights are on. Coach, when you look at South Dakota, a team who arguably maybe should have beat Kansas last year to open the season, they're an FCS playoff team. They return their starting quarterback. What are some challenges that they present to you? Uh, they're a veteran team. Uh, they're big up front, offensive line. Uh, I think four starters return. Really impressed with the quarterback. Quarterback uh, has played a lot of football for him, has made really good decisions, played a lot of games. Um, so you have an experienced offensive line returning quarterback. You, it's a good place to start from. Uh, I think they're active on defense. Um, really good linebacker. Uh, I think they're a team that is well coached. I mean, anytime Bob Nielsen is coaching a football team, it's going to be a really disciplined, well coached football team, and um, they, they're going to be ready for the moment. They'll be excited about coming into the bill uh, and just teeing it up and playing. And I'm sure they're in the same boat as we are of um, just wanting to, to play somebody else. And uh, I, we're going to have to have our best uh, A game to come out on top. With having multiple players and coaches who spend time at the FCS level, do you feel like that kind of gives you guys an advantage of just not overlooking a team like South Dakota? Well, from a coaching standpoint, it does, uh, without question, just because we're so familiar with South Dakota. We played them with Coach Nielsen for a few years, uh, and so I, I know how the talent, uh, you know, you look at a kid like Briley Moore that came in here and made an immediate impact. There's really good players at the FCS level. Everybody knows that, and um, it's uh, – you know, now it's about us. We, we need to focus on what Kansas State does. You know, each opponent's going to create some problems for us, but we need to make sure that we don't have some mental errors and make sure that we're playing fast and playing physical and, and focus more on, on what we're doing. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. And thanks to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette for sharing his insights on Kansas State. Today's morning sports edition was loaded. 47 pages of college football, NFL, baseball, Serena Williams' latest victory at the U.S. Open, and more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.